maybe you have experienced something similar, and I'm sure this is not the first time I have expressed this to you, but over the last few years, my perceptions of family or of kin have shifted. This experience hasn't been confined to the last couple of years, um, but was pronounced during that time. Those near and far who have walked with me have become my family. They are the ones who I sense are attentive to the spirit. And yes, even those who don't identify as Christian, they are the ones who continue to walk the good road. And when I take a moment to stop and reflect on these relationships, I notice that the strongest ones are ones of mutuality, where there has been a reciprocity that flows back and forth, not out of obligation. We don't owe one another anything. Freely and joyfully, we give to one another out of what we have, both the tangible and the intangible, sometimes monetarily and other times not. I hold some of those intangible gifts in my soul as I carry burdens and receive encouragement and support and strength through the back and forth in these relationships. I also see some tangible gifts as well. Over time, I have noticed how these gifts tell the stories and weave these kin into the fabric of my everyday. As silly as it may sound, I noticed this from paper towels I've been gifted to house plants from all kinds of folks, to holiday decor, to written cards, to artwork, both on my wall and within the bookmarks that hold my places in the books I'm reading, dried flowers, jewelry, clothing, furniture, that's always interesting, and wine. And I'm reminded of these people every time I look at these gifts. There is not one room in my house void of the reminder that there are others outside of my home that are a part of my family. Not only my nearest kin or neighbors, but those across oceans and seas. We see a reflection of this expansion of family as we read the words and stories of Jesus. And arriving at Luke chapter 8, which is our text for today, we have journeyed with Jesus on the good road as he heals and restores belongings, challenging the ways of colonizing forces and of the empire, not only through words or stories, but through action. We've heard teaching on and witnessed general reciprocity, refusing to see and treat anyone as enemies and to give to those in need. We've been shown the economics of the kingdom that do not follow logical mathematics as systems and structures of debt and obligation are dismantled. And we've heard Jesus give shape to all that will become second nature for those who walk the good road. We're going to pick back up in chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, and eventually we're going to jump to verses 19 through 21. Before I read the text, I want to remind us that Jesus has just finished a meal at the home of a spiritual leader where a woman who had been outcast 
comes to visit. And she cleans Jesus' feet, which we can assume are pretty soiled from the road and a lot of walking. And she cleans them with her tears and her hair, and she kisses his feet, rubbing ointment on them. Witnessing then her love, Jesus proclaims her healed from broken ways. And we arrive at today's story. I'm going to encourage you to just listen because I'll be reading from the First Nations version as we've been doing throughout this series. Chapter 8, verse 1. After this, Creator sets free, who is Jesus, began to walk from one village to another, telling stories about Creator's good road. The twelve he had chosen were with him, and also some women who had been healed and set free from evil spirits. One was strong tears, named Mary, from the village of Creator's High Lodge, or Magdala, who had been set free from seven evil spirits. Another was woman of his goodwill, Joanna, the wife of vision seer, Chusa, the headman of the household of Chief Luxbrave, who is Herod. And then there was Waterflower, Susanna. These women and many others helped out with their own goods. These women and many others helped out with their own goods. Interestingly, this passage in the First Nations version is titled, Women of Honor. Remember Jesus' comments last week about honor? He said this, Where is honor in only showing love to the ones who do the same for you? Why should you be given respect for doing good to the ones who do good to you, or for leading only, lending only to the ones who can repay you? Even tribal tax collectors and outcasts do these things. These women that are named, and many others, are helping out this group of disciples out of their own goods, out of their own resources and finances. The disciples that we hear so much about, <laughs> the men who were chosen to follow Jesus, are never mentioned as repaying these women or contributing out of their finances and resources. To the contrary, we will hear them in other places in the gospel stories complaining about how there's not enough. The women have joined the chosen 12 disciples on the journey because they had experienced good news for themselves. And because in Jesus' ministry, debts are canceled, we can interpret their following as gratitude and generosity, not benefactor indebtedness in the patronal system sense, as we spoke of last week. And I find it intriguing that it's the women who are directly named as providing here, as they follow Jesus on the good road under colonizer rule. So often I think it is the women who go unnamed, whose provisions are overlooked. But around the world, even today, women hold communities together. I am well acquainted with this as I interact with a micro-lending institution in Haiti called San Jose. They know that women hold communities together, and it is in part why they only offer their lending programs to women. But who are these women 
in our text. We don't know a whole lot, but we know a little bit about them. We have Mary Magdalene, or strong tears from the village of Creator's High Lodge. Her name, Mary, means their rebellion. I kind of like that about her. And she's from Magdalene, which means tower. So you can put those two things together. And then I get real excited. All right. She has been one who has set free from seven evil spirits. Then we have Joanna, wife of his goodwill, or woman of his goodwill, the wife of vision seer. Her name means Jehovah is a gracious giver. And she is married to Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, which means that her status is a bit mixed. Her privilege is a bit mixed. Not only as a woman, but because she's married to the one who oversees the finances in Herod's house. But it's a little unclear as to how she ends up with this entourage. Did she leave her husband permanently or just for a time to follow Jesus? And then we have Susanna, Waterflower, whose name means Lily. And she was known as one who ministered to Christ. Out of their own resources, as part of this entourage, if you will, following Jesus, these women provide for the group. And while not often given a prominent place in the story, many other women are following Jesus, which is likely due to Jesus' outreach and ministry to women in particular, to the orphans, those who had orphans for the widows and for single women, those who were often forgotten and disregarded and held little power in the broader society. I don't think I can overemphasize that being brought into the family of disciples alongside the men was quite unusual in the broader social context in this Greco-Roman world, where even this degree of identification of the women present would have been extraordinary, some suggesting maybe a bit taboo, if you will, because their presence and being named even could have been regarded as illicitly sexual, as was thought by this spiritual leader in the previous story with this woman cleaning Jesus' feet with her tears. On the heels of this section, Jesus shares a familiar parable with us, that of the sower. And again, Jesus speaks of honor. In verse 10, he says, It is given to those who understand the mysterious ways of Creator's good road. And it's an honor that is not given to those who are not ready for it. He continues explaining the parable, saying, But as for that in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it fast and honest, in an honest and good heart. And they bear fruit with patient, patient endurance. And I think, is this not what the women are doing in this passage? as they provide out of their own means. Jesus is presenting not the 12 disciples, but the women as examples of those who listened and responded, allowing the words, the good news of Jesus, to fall on good soil and take root. In sharing this parable, it is as if Jesus says, I see you and how you live out your faith. To you, honor. 
is given. I want to point out that this story also reflects mutual reciprocity or what we might consider mutual aid today, where both tangible and intangible gifts are given in mutual relationship. Jesus says in verse 16, No one after lighting a lamp hangs a blanket in front of it. Instead, they would put it on a table so everyone can see. Through action, the women are metaphorically putting their lamp on the table so everyone can see, so that those who come in can see the light. And the result is an experience of mutual reciprocity as kingdom care and belonging is extended. We jump to verse 19 through 21. It says this. The mother of creator sets free, and his brothers came to see him. They were unable to get to him because of the great number of people gathered there. Someone told him, your relatives are here waiting to see you. Creator sets free, smiled, and told the messenger, the ones who listen to the teaching of the great spirit and walk in his ways are all my relatives, my mother, aunts, and uncles, brothers, and sisters. Jesus returns to his mantra about kindred, saying, the ones who listen and walk in these ways are all my relatives, an expanding kingdom that is not bound by the imperial forces of us versus them. Family is being redefined. And as was clear last week, the way of love, of the good road that is the kingdom, is not passive, but active. And it's relational and mutual. I think Jesus's redefining of family brings a word of challenge for us today. What does it mean for us to extend mutual reciprocity or mutual aid, standing against oppressive and colonizing forces today? What does it look like for us to give freely out of our financial resources as our family expands? In part, this is our collective work as we grow in conversation and action together as a faith community. But it doesn't stop there because the kingdom is taking hold in each of our lives. It's mutual relationship, directly responding to the needs of your neighbor and in humility and with vulnerability, allowing your neighbors to respond to your needs. I know that's hard for us. Sometimes simply the response is with words, but also with resources of all kinds. So utilizing modes of sharing financial resources like Venmo or Zelly or Western Union or Patreon might become second nature for us. And as maybe you too have struggled with family over the last few years brought on by politics, the pandemic, all the isms, if you will, rearing their heads, pay attention to where God is expanding your family outside of traditional bounds and how your resources might be given to shine light upon the good road.
as we give out of what we have, both the tangible and the intangible, let us allow God to weave the stories of the kingdom into the fabric of our everyday so that the bounds of family begin to extend. My prayer is that we would allow Jesus to continue to speak through us his mantra. The ones who listen and walk in my ways are all my relatives. Amen.